Do you enjoy the content that we provide at Hockey Hurts? Do you do any holiday shopping on Amazon.com? Then click on the Amazon banners on our Hockey Hurts website before making any of your Amazon purchases. We get a kickback, you get to buy something that you like, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's like the Patrick Hornquist, James Neal trade. It's a win-win. Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hurts. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for December 31st of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And on this New Year's Eve version of the Hockey Hurts Podcast, we are going to cover off on some Penguins topics. Uh, Sidney Crosby, his goal scoring slump, which uh, he did score the other night, but he's kind of not been scoring at the rate that he's normally accustomed to. We are... Going to discuss Yager Watch 2015, <laughs> because I can't resist, and we are going to talk off on Christian Erhoff and his uh, potential of being re-signed by the Penguins, and that should bleed into some talk about uh, maybe some options with Paul Martin moving forward with the Penguins' defense core. Uh, but for now, we'll lead off with Sid, who scored just... An absolutely marvelous classic Crosby backhand goal uh, on the Devils Corey Schneider, but he's been really kind of struggling to score goals, and it's it hasn't come easy for him, and he's come under fire for it. Um, is he slumping? Is he not playing well? Is it bad luck? What is it? Um, it's it's really funny. One of the things that sort of bothered me about Crosby losing his goal-scoring touch was maybe his wrist was playing up on him that he had an issue with last year. But if you've got a bad wrist and it's been an issue, you don't do that with your backhand on Corey no, Schneider. No, so I get there and just think about it and you go, is for want of a better way to look at it, is it, is it his PDO? It's just low at the moment and technically with players like that, like what's happened with Rick Nash, it should turn and he should start scoring goals uh, again at his normal rate. But right now, he, he just can't seem to uh, get anything past the goaltender. I mean, he had a couple of, he had one great breakaway chance against the Capitals, and Holtby just shut the door on him as well. So it's got to turn for him, surely. Like, it, it doesn't seem like he's going to end up playing like this the rest of his career. It would be very hard to believe. But. Um, he's not the one that's been carrying the Penguins through this at the moment. It, it seems to have been Malcolm that's, that's been doing that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for this Penguins team to go anywhere, they definitely need Crosby scoring at a better rate than he currently is. I love the fact that you brought up the Rick Nash thing because I did think last year in the playoffs he was he's playing pretty good. He had very good possession numbers. He was shooting pucks on net. His shooting percentage was dreadful, yeah. and it was pathetic. 
But it wasn't so much that he was like, you know, it's not like he's purposely not scoring goals. He was doing the hard part, getting the opportunities. Um, fast forward to this year, what's Rick Nash doing? The total opposite. It's the puck. Every puck's going in for him. It seems. I don't think he's changed his process much. Yeah, um, just, just, just to clarify this: when you're shooting at a goalie, does anyone? This is the thing that I find really funny about shooting percentages in the NHL. Do people actually aim for corners, or do they just shoot, hope, and pray? No, you're because heads up. You're you're aiming. Because that's that's one of the things that you sort of heard about James Neal was that most of the time he would just shoot the puck and he would have a general idea of where it was going, but he wasn't exactly aiming for corners and stuff. He was just sort of going in that general direction. So if you translate that over to, to Rick Nash last year, if he shoots that way, well, yeah, pot luck. You're going to get you know n- nothing through at some stage, and then you flip to this year and he's getting things through. That just seems retarded if that's the way NHL players are shooting at the net. It doesn't seem right to me at all. Um, the thing with NHL guys is that they practice so often, and, and a lot of it they work more so on a quick release so the goalies can't get set because if the goalies are set, no matter where they put it, it's it's going to be tough sledding. That makes sense. Yeah, they shoot to shoot, but they go through so many repetitions that when they shoot to shoot, they know exactly uh, a general, not super spe- like, hey, I'm shooting this really quick. I know it's going off the crossbar and in. But no, you're going upper right, and you know it's going to be within that if you're putting your reps okay. in. Yep. The, the better yeah, shooters I'm talking, right. a Rick Nash, a James Neal, for your examples, these guys know what they're doing. They're heads up. They're seeing what they're cool. going for. Um, a bum like myself, I, I'm do, I'm trying to do the same things. I just don't physically execute it as well as them, obviously. <laughs> but I have the same mindset. I just can't physically do it as well as okay, those so, guys, so, obviously. So you get there and look at it in regards to Rick Nash from last year to Rick Nash to this year. Is it literally just puck luck changed for him? It just seems so cruel yeah. for a player. So it just seems so cruel for His a player. His position is not as good as it was in the playoffs, but... Um, it, it's going in. So obviously his shooting percentage is much higher than it was in the playoffs last year, but anyone's shooting I think percentage. shooting percentage in the playoffs yeah. last year was like 3% or something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, this and year I think it's almost 20. So you look at Nash and he, he went through that terrible stretch for the playoffs. Season ends. He gets a clean slate to come back into game one of this season fresh. And it's he's taken off. with yeah, whatever he's 18.7. Yeah, his career okay, is twelve point so, seven. So his PDO's up in in, in yes. one way you you want to look at it, and that's that's fine. So with Crosby though, he's going through the same kind of slump as Nash did last year. What he doesn't have the luxury of though is an end of the season for him to have a break, have a fresh start, and to go again and to get that reset. So. Crosby could legitimately have a scoring slump the rest of the year because he is fighting it hard at the moment. He is so frustrated that it starts to exacerbate and build on itself. So I I don't know how he's going to change his luck because these things can go for a season because it just rolls on for the whole year. No, it won't go for a season for him. Here's the unfortunate part about Crosby. He He has two different variables going on here. 
he had a very legitimate reason for the playoff struggles. His he had a bum wrist with no strength and literally couldn't shoot the puck. So you just need to toss that sample size right out and just understand that that was injury related. All talking about this year, I'm ignoring. I, I know I'm getting to that. This yep. year to start the year, he was fine. I know. And and that's you know that's Sidney Crosby scoring goals. I mean. How many does he have? 15-ish? Yeah. Something like that? He's going to be so. a 30-goal scorer, and we're like, you know, people are pounding on him because he's going in a in a real rough – I'm sorry, he has 11 goals. So, he, you know, it's a little lower than normal. Here's the difference between him and Nash. Crosby has two cold spells back-to-back, one being totally justified by injury, and then this one currently – until I'm, you know, proven otherwise, is just one of those Rick Nash bad luck stretches. This will this, turn this, around. This will turn he's, around. He's getting his shots in the right places, in the normal spots that Crosby would shoot from. This like, nothing's changed in that situation. Like, you're right. He's pushing possession in the right direction. He's getting his chances in the normal normal spots. So, not as would've... often. Here's the problem. The Penguins... Are missing so 12 many forwards. So, I mean, the quality of his line mates is down, so he he's not getting as much. So as they get healthier and he's he starts to continue to get his regular amount of chances, I have no concerns moving forward. That backhand goal, like you stated, tells me well it ain't the wrist. <laughs> that roof job was snapped off like. How many guys can do that? No, the three maybe in the league, and, and usually their sticks go against their ability to do that. So here's, um, um, here's a concept that I try to tell my my high school players that I'm I'm trying to tell them that shot volume is a little more important than shot quality at times. And I said it's like rolling two dice, and every time you get double sixes, it's a goal. Well, you want to roll as many times as possible to increase your chances of a goal, yes? Uh, so that's like a shot attempt. Um, we won an overtime game the other night because our guy got a shot through it, hit somebody's leg, and went to our open guy, wide open, put it in the net. <laughs> we win the game. There's no skill about it. You just get shot attempts to the net. There's more luck in hockey than people admit. So the more times you get to roll – the more times maybe you get double sixes and it's a goal. It's just a probability thing. And if someone continues to get rolls of the dice, he's he's going to roll double sixes. Just remind me to never go to the casino with you and play on a craps table, all right? Because I don't think I'd have enough money in my back pocket. No, I'm not a good gambler, but this concept applies. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? Like the Toronto exactly. Maple Leafs. Of, yeah. um, remember when they made the playoffs and they weren't really all that good, but they were riding a hot hand? You know, maybe yeah. they only got 20 rolls a game, but they were potting five of them. Yeah. But you want to be the team rolling 50 times. <laughs> Over the course well, of time, you're going to get the more goals. And that's what that's, shot attempts mean to me. That's the other problem you've got with Does the team. Does that kind of yeah. aspect make sense? It makes perfect sense because that's the problem you've got with 
teams like Toronto that run so hot and cold because they've got so many shots against. Well, they're not running cold. It, they're just not getting enough attempts. No, and, and but the other team's getting a stack of attempts. So if the other team runs hot while they're getting those attempts. Or just average. Yeah, then their, their technique, the Toronto will be on the, the, the losing end of, of that kind of stuff. So this has been the streakiest league I've seen in a few years. To be perfectly honest, there, there hasn't seemed to be a lot of teams that are doing, you know, six, two, and two, or anything like that. It seems to be people are going eight and one, nine and one, and then they'll go cold for a few games, and that's sort of how it runs through. So it'll be interesting to see who's streaking at the end of the year, hitting their straps, and then who's hit that flat slump at the one time of the year you don't want to. So, um, you know, Toronto are up and down and backwards and forwards. I would hate to be a Toronto fan. That media. Oh, actually, I'd hate to play in Toronto. Yeah, it's just it's just so hard. You get there on a run, then all of a sudden they're going to win the Stanley Cup, and then you lose three or four in a row, and all of a sudden everyone's getting traded away. So, um, Toronto's got a yeah. lot of bright hockey writers, though. That um, if you do follow them, you'll you won't get your hopes up. <laughs> you know, you mean realistic? You mean they're realistic? Yeah. So it, yeah. I guess it depends on who you follow, but um. I hope that dice example makes sense to people. Um, it's it's just kind of how I look at it. Get yourself more attempts. Yeah. Get yourself more rolls. Anything can happen. Yeah. So, Something has to fall your way eventually, doesn't that's it? That's how it is with Sid. Just get him more rolls of the dice. He'll be fine. That backhand goal gave me a lot of confidence that it's not risk-related. And, um, yeah. you know, he's going to get better line mates eventually via trade and health. So I think it's speaking, speaking of trade, you want to talk about Jaeger watch? Yeah. I, God, I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. He's still so good. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. Um, he is leading the devils in possession and points. And he's the guy that's, doing a lot of the heavy lifting. The beautiful part about any potential trade involving the Penguins is he's got Crosby and Malkin to do that kind of stuff. He just needs to find the soft spots and let that beautiful wrist shot go. Not that he won't try to pull his weight, because that's what drives him. That's what that's what drives the top five all-time player. Um. But he's not going to have to do it all. So the the, the idea that he's going to have to uh, or get tired and that perception of how the Bruins playoff run went, um, that won't happen. I think the Bruins asked a lot of him. The Penguins would ask a little less of him. And I also think Yager suffered from that Rick Nash syndrome where he, he had a bad shooting percentage in that playoff run. So... So he did the did things right, just got called at the wrong time with his shot. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You keep giving that guy chances. Or give me a break. Okay, so you get there and you try to look at the flip side of the court and go, "Yeah, you go watch great. Yeah, 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 it's it's nice and romantic, all those sorts of things." But and it is. You're right. All that is true. It's it would be awesome. What do the Penguins have to give up to acquire him? You're trying to ask for an division trade, even though it's with a team that seems to be trending in the wrong direction. Um, the Penguins have got some good depth 
on, on their back end, but you probably don't want to be giving up a player that could be a roster player for a guy like Jaeger who will most likely walk at the end of the year. The Penguins won't re-sign him for what he wants to get paid. Um, well, I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse, but let's be honest. If you really think you're going to trade for him and re-sign him, you better understand that you better be paying market value. Correct. Because he's going to go to the highest bidder, and that is not a character flaw. He no, should. Just, well, <laughs> he proved that with the Flyers. Yeah. So no, you won't hear, you won't hear me argue that. the the other The other thing, if you want to look at if you want to look at the the whole where he fits into the roster. I think I had this conversation with you last week before or after we did our podcast. I was confident of putting Jaeger next to Sutter, and then you absolutely screamed at me, you do not get Jaeger to make Sutter better, no. which is a fairly good argument, but it does fill out one of those concerns that a lot of Penguins fans have, which is lack of depth over the last two years has You're been the bait for this team. Hey, hey. No, no, I, but you get there and you go, if this team gets healthy, and this is probably including Dupuis in that, which is very, very unlikely, the top six lines are okay. You might put Jaeger up where Como should be and then yes. put Como down with Sutter. Uh-huh. And you lose some of that offensive effectiveness with Sutter because he can't drive possession on his own. Well, then maybe and you down- look to move him. Well, I wrote something about that today in regards to you could move him and Martin. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but let's, let's stick on uh, Yager for so, now. No, if Yager is on this team, he is playing with Sitter Gino, and there is no questions about it because Yager is not going to – it's not going to sit well with him playing third line, not playing with the big dogs, nor should it because he's still very good. Yeah, and that's the thing. Ignore, ignore, ignore the argument that he's fantastic at 42. He's still very good if he was 28 years old. That's the other thing. Ignore the fact that he's old. It's not like we're going, oh, for a 42-year-old, he's playing well. He's playing well now for an NHL-caliber player. So it, it's not like you're... Yeah, throw AJ in the window. He's a freak. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's not the freak he was back in the 90s, and... You're not trading for that player. You're trading for a player that fills out the depth of your team by being a top six forward, and then you get that trickle-down effect in your roster. Like you said to me just before, you don't put him as a third-line player to fill your depth out. You put him up on the top one of the top two lines, and then everyone else trickles down. And let's be honest, this is an entertainment thing. Do you want him with Sutter, or you want to watch him play with Sid or Gino? Uh, yeah, no, no. I'd like to see him play with Gino. Gino's as close to Lemieux as I've seen. Yes, I love. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I would put him with Gino too. Yeah. Um, leave Hornquist with uh, Sid, which I think would work out well. Um, furthermore, people are like, "Well, Sid and Gino are already on the power play. Where do you put Yager? Right where you always put him on the half wall. Put Sid down low and put Malkin on the right point." Put Hornquist in front and Latang on the other side, and now you're cooking with fire. Yeah, hey, hey, when when the Pumas won the cup, they had Gonchar. I thought Gonchar played the right point, and he would slide it across to Geno on the offside for that big one timer that you love. It probably wouldn't matter either way which way you play them, would it? Yeah, well, you don't have to have that same setup to work a successful power play. 
Oh, just because at the moment, the Penguins cannot get into the zone to save no, their life. They, they get away from They're getting yes. away from... Um, that exasperation that every Penguins fan is going through right now. Well, here's the problem. Gino's like not the primary option. He should always be the primary option on the freaking power play. He's got a bomb. He's got awesome hands. He's got great sense. Sid needs to be down low, being the bulldog, fishing pucks, and using his awesome passing ability to thread the needle into the slot for those. And I was he or I guess it was Malkin for my example I'm going to use. But like when Kunitz slid in the last game and he didn't get a good shot off. But those are the passes that Sid's great at too. Yeah. But you don't want Gino down low because Gino has got the bomb. Sid yeah. doesn't have that bomb. And what you were about to say, I believe, Sid is as good as anybody tipping the puck this side of Thomas Fanick. Yeah. Play yeah. to all of Sid's strengths, winning corner battles. All Sid's goals come near the goal mouth, pretty much. So put him there. Let him tip pucks. Let him win corner battles. I mean, good good Lord. Makes too much so sense. So I, I know from the first five games of the year, they really haven't had the same power play unit for that first unit because everyone's sort of been oh, actually first 11 since everyone's been injured and they were killing it on the, on the that's power play. That's a fair play. point, but you know, that's the system. There's the, still the, enough, <coughs> sorry. There's still enough talent. There yes. The execution. To... The thing is, though, Gino has been there pretty much every game. The execution should still be the same. I mean, like you said before, roll the dice more times. You should get things going away. If Gino shoots the puck more often on that power play, Things should things always happen. happen great yeah. when he's firing it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's you sort of get there with it, and you just wonder. And this is where Latang often cops some flack. He seems to overthink a little bit on the power play, and it's like he doesn't really have to think. He just has to get the puck and get it across to Gino and let him shoot. If they simplify their game down, it's almost like these skilled players know the team depth is shot at the moment, and they're pressing to score on their power play. And they're overthinking rather than just doing what comes naturally. So it'll be interesting to see how long it takes them to get back to the simple stuff, which is one pass shoot, one pass shoot. So we'll see what happens. It doesn't have to be one pass shoot. It just needs to be let's get somebody in a good shooting area and let it rip. It may take two or three passes at times to get that four or five, but you have to be willing to shoot when the time comes. I think right now they're just content to – Yep. Move it around a little bit. Look for that back door. Move, look for that cute um, Malk and Kunitz in the slot kind of thing. When mm-hmm. really, you know, you have to have a shooting mentality. And sometimes when you do have a shooting mentality, you could pass it around seven times. If the PK unit does such a great job in the shooting lanes, you, you know, you, you just can't do it. But I don't think that's their mentality right now. It feels like they're going for one extra pass when there's a shot there. They go, oh, we can get a better shot here, and so they they pass it to someone else rather than just taking what's available. Sometimes the crowd, when they're yelling, shoot, shoot, they've got their heads up their ass, and sometimes they're right. And then this time, they're probably right. At, At the moment, I think they're on the money. They're making that one extra pass rather than the one pass shoot. I think it's they need to pass it one less and shoot. But, you know, they teams might be working out what the Penguins are doing. I mean, they've had a chance to look at tape now. 
uh, with the way the Penguins are yeah, playing. If you have a simplistic power play, you should have uh, a few different options. All you're basically doing is finding your two-on-ones. There's only four penalty killers, and if you're moving the puck fluid and attacking certain spots, depending on what your setup is, they're going to have to either come up at you to take away that shooting lane, or they're not, and you're going to be able to take that shot. So you need yep. to aggressively find your two-on-one, and right now they're they're just not doing as good of a job at it. So yep, that all that all makes all makes perfect sense. <laughs> I can understand that. Last um, last but not least, though, um, we never really discussed what the the price of said uh, Jager watch would be. <laughs> I, I I'm looking at what Dallas and, and Boston did a few years back, and the. The Bruins got Yager, obviously. Dallas got a couple no-namer prospects, I, I believe. Don't kill me if I'm wrong. I, I looked at their names today, and they didn't ring a bell. But they got a conditional second-round pick, which turned into a first-round pick, depending on how far the Bruins went. Yep. And I would offer that second-round pick um, to the Devils, and if the Penguins made the finals... Stanley Cup final, I would turn that into a first-round pick, which really is a high second-rounder when you're talking 29th or 30th. True, that's true. Um, and if they were kind of not on board with that, I, you know, I don't want to go much higher than that, but I'd throw him a, a Robert Bortuzzo, and if that didn't do it, then I guess you just have to walk away. But you should try it. You should try. You should try. You should try. <laughs> should we try? You get what, you, you know. If that's not enough, and, and the Devils don't feel comfortable doing that within the division, hey, you, you gave it a shot. I think I, I think that's may not be enough to get it done, but I think it's in the ballpark based on a prior Yager trade. So you got to ask. Okay, and Yager, I know we mentioned age, but he is a few years older. And Surprise. since that is trade. That a, yeah. And the, the Devils need futures. They'll get an NHL body in Bortuzzo, who I think is expendable at this point for the Penguins. Yeah. Um, if you really want to go Dumoulin, whatever. I just... I, I would go that far just because of the uh, storyline and nostalgia. You just, yeah, you get that nostalgia thing going, and sometimes I think, well, hang on a second, how much are you willing to give up for this guy? So, but um, he's good, man. He's good. Yeah, he's not, still good. I'm not arguing that part. It is the question of price, though, and it's often the argument that a lot of people walk away from. Yeah, but are the Penguins really going to miss the third no, no, pick? If when they get got Casper yeah. Kapanen last year, they got Bo Bennett. If he ever, you know, doesn't fall apart. <laughs> but if you if you get there with it and go, it's the thirtieth or the twenty ninth pick and ball two, so that's fine. Um, and, and I think a lot of Penguins fans could deal with that. There are also a lot of other. Or you Penguins could not make the finals, and it's a like the fifty uh, ninth or or 55th or whatever, <laughs> but yeah, you'd rather make the final. And you, you get there with it though, and you've got the reverse of the nostalgia where you've still got a lot of Penguins fans that just do not want him back in a Penguins jersey. They so, can take a long walk off a short pier. 
<laughs> get over yourselves, honestly. Uh, to be honest, they probably would get over themselves, considering what we would expect him to be able to achieve. Listen, the Penguins physically couldn't pay him his money. People get so bent out of shape. Oh, I'm dying alive here. That that comment was so overblown. It's not even funny. They couldn't pay their players. And he made a lot of money. And he deserved a lot of money. He's the top five all-time player in his prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're preaching to the converted. I know I said I'd play devil's advocate, but now we're just running over old stuff. <laughs> okay, so we covered it. Good idea. Well, I think it's a good idea. You play yeah. devil's advocate. We kind of talked value. Um. Let's move, shift it to the defense. And Elliot Friedman, as always, his much-anticipated 30 thoughts. And he had some Penguin Nuggets. And the biggest one was Christian Erhoff, Penguins, after January 1st tomorrow, get to start talking contract extension. And this is like the third time in his 30 thoughts that he has specifically mentioned the, the Penguins and Erhoff talking during this time period. So Elliot Friedman, not one to make stuff up. I think it's a foregone conclusion, at least to me, that Penguins are serious, Erhoff serious. He's probably going to not be a one-year guy. Um, I wrote a piece today saying by the end of Jan, the Penguins need to know, need to be healthy need to know what their roster is so that Rutherford's got two weeks to work out what he's doing before we get to that, you know, month before the trade deadline when it all starts to get a bit messy. And you don't want to be trying to do deadline trades, I reckon, on the deadline. I think doing them prior is always better because you've got flexibility then in case the trade falls through. Shiro did a good job of that. Yeah, and I, I think Rutherford would be would be wise to try and take that, take that approach as well. Signing... Erhoff makes Martin expendable. Well, that's that's a tricky thing because you need to find a perfect, and I do mean perfect, fit because it's really not worth, it's almost worth keeping Martin and losing him for nothing. And you're not trading him for futures. No. Well, you know, and, and... EA Sports World, yeah, you could trade them for futures and then think you could spin those assets off into something else, but that's so many moving parts. I mean, yep. who are we kidding? Yep. But... And the other, thing, the other thing that determines whether Martin would be expendable would be Marta's ability to come back and play in a top four role. That's where, that's that's probably the, the And big that's health related. We know he can play in a top four role. But it, it's I, look, I have a problem with the way the Penguins have handled their injuries for a while, and that I I've often thought that some players come back too early. You and I were discussing this before the podcast, and you think it's a cultural thing more so than anything else. But that just to me means that doctors don't have any spine. Yeah, and if what I was saying before was the Penguins have had so many injuries the last few years. These guys know that the other guys are battling, and it's a camaraderie thing. It's a teammate thing. They want to get back to help because they know they're shorthanded. 
And to your point, yes, the, the, the medical staff needs to just be like, all right, you, this isn't happening. Here's the time frame. But it's such a culturally ingrained hockey culture thing. And I'm not saying it's right, but it's real. It exists. Yeah, you just say what. So you get there, though, if Marta comes back and can't play a top four role and has to play a bottom pairing role purely from the fact that he's just not physically up to it. He can still play, but he's not going to be what the Penguins want him to be. They've got a replacement for him. Despray has proven right now that he's ready to play a top four role. So the Penguins, for their top five defensemen, are pretty well set. What they do with their number six is... Up to up to them in, in regards to to that particular player. I don't think he he'll be on the roster for the playoffs. I just don't think he should be actually playing. Um, yeah. So yeah. that that whole back six in regards to having maneuverability to create a trade for something that the Penguins need is there. But there's so many complex moving parts. I mean, Erhoff signs and he signs for four, six, or however many years probably with a limited no-trade clause because that seems to be the way things go these days. Um, you, you've got Latang, Marta, Erhoff, Despray all signed for oh, the yeah. next couple for the next couple of years. Pouliot's not ready for this year's run, though. Uh, not so sold think, on that. Look, I've liked what I've seen, but you do get there with it and you wonder... I know he can get the puck out of the zone very, very quickly, but he's still got to be strong enough to retrieve the puck, and he does get pushed off in the corners a little bit too much. What's the difference between that and a guy like Scuderi who just can't do any of it? Yeah, and that's an argument. That's an argument that you can make. So you could you could legitimately have Harrington and Pouliot as your bottom two pairing if Marta's injured and they do get rid of Martin. So they've got. This is the first time in the last couple of years where the Penguins actually have pieces that are movable that still allow cap space to, to be able to get something back. So you'd have to – because if you ship Martin out, that's $5 million of cap space that suddenly becomes available if if they can move him to that perfect situation. And so I don't, you suddenly, I don't think Martin's a long-term Penguin at this point. No, you've, you've thought that for a bit that he's probably going to wander. So do you go for good asset management and ship him off, even if it is just for a, a draft pick so you've got something back no, for a player? No, I, don't, I don't do that. I would just let him go at this point. Yeah, I would play him through to the end I of love Paul Martin. How do you... I know. Um, I know. But, but, but there is one, one situation I see that could potentially, and I've written about this... Uh, month and a half, two months ago, I believe. Or maybe less, I don't know. You have LA Kings. You have Justin Williams. They're, they haven't come to a contract extension yet. Justin Williams set a soft deadline of this week to get it done, or else he's not going to talk about it anymore. I believe they're extending that soft deadline for another week. If something doesn't get done there, and you think about the Kings not having Voinov. But still having the cap space. Trading Voinov's rental for rental. Works. Works for both teams. If Mata's back, it's not. And Pouliot's shown. And, and here's the thing with Derek Pouliot. He's been playing with Rob Scuderi. 
the first few games. Today he was practicing with Chris Letang. The skill just oozes from that pairing, and I really do want to evaluate him based on playing with skill than playing with Skidari. And if he swims as opposed to sinks with Letang, now you're cooking with some serious fire. Justin <laughs> Williams, awesome fit for a guy like Crosby, in my opinion. Yep. Actually, he'd be a good fit for either top top guy. Um, yep. That is really the only situation I can see a Paul Martin trade. I think it would make both sense if Justin Williams and the Kings just can't come to a decision. Ultimately, I think they do come to a decision, and a lot of uh, what we just talked about is for nothing. <laughs> but as a Which GM, he... you should be thinking and looking and preparing in case something like that doesn't go down. And from what I we... hear, Paul Martin is very hot for L.A., well, a lot of people should be hot for L.A. But him, legitimately, um, I think he, he likes the idea of that. So The only – would it end up being – because they're both $5 million contracts. Aren't they? It would just be a one-for-one. No, for actually, one. Williams is a, a pretty sick deal. That's why L.A.'s been able to fit all these players under. He's, he's 3.6. Jesus. So He's my... due for a raise. He's going yes. to be a rental for the Penguins – most likely, but so is Paul Martin. But L.A. may be able to re-sign Martin, which makes yeah. up for Voinov. Which is still a massively unforetold mess. So Yeah, I don't want to – well, we've discussed that before. I, uh, neither of us really want to get into all that nonsense. But um, 4.1 mil, I think Paul Martin, if you give him 5 mil in L.A., he'll, he'll sign on the dotted line. I think he'd be awesome fit out there too. He'd be an awesome yeah. fit anywhere, really. He's so good. I, I yep. It's going to kill me to lose him, but the reality is you can't keep all these young guys. You can't keep Airhoff. You can't keep everybody. Um, there's a salary cap, and I've very much enjoyed watching Paul Martin on a nightly basis for five years. Um, sad to see him go eventually, I think, but, um, you know, I was sad to see Gonchar go too, but it happens. Well, it has to happen at some stage. It has to Same contracts, too. Five years, 25 mil. Yeah. Hope he gets a cup out of it eventually. He deserves one. Don't know if it'll be here or in Pittsburgh or elsewhere, but I hope he gets one. Well, if he does leave this year at the deadline, I hope it's not this year. Because <laughs> like I said at the start of the podcast, I legitimately think this is – uh, one of the deeper teams that Pittsburgh's got currently, even if there is no change in the roster, that could legitimately win the cup or at least get to the finals. And then for me, it's a coin toss. It's yeah, lucky because he's playing well. That does. That does. He help. He's, you know, he he got pulled a few games ago. Gave up uh, three last night. It, it happens. There's ups and downs in a year, but he has played well. If he continues that, they're in good shape. Yeah. It would remind me a lot of the 08 run where he was most of the reason they got as far as they did. But, um, um, with We mentioned him before, the spray, the last 10 games or so, he's looked like a competent 20-minute 
a night. He's great. Defense. He's been playing great. He's looked, he's looked great. Puck skills are great. He lugs the puck up the ice with confidence, ability, vision, skill. Um, and speed. Yeah. He is quick. It might take him two strides to get going, so he doesn't have that acceleration. But when he's up, he's off. And, um, yeah, it's just mind-blowing that he would get scratched under the last administration. Oh, I've, I, I, I hear your point, but I've, I've let that go. I'm more worried about how they're handling him this year. And, and as far as I can tell, they've handled him really well. He, he's much more willing when he's not playing with Scuderi to take a chance and to take a risk because he understands that the player that's with him can actually cover up for him, whether that's Harrington, Pouliot, or Dumoulin, and the occasional time that he has actually played with Latang on the ice, whenever he's played with anyone other than Skideri, he'll take a risk. I am so tired of this discussion of surrounding that the poor situation that a Penguins defender finds himself being the, the partner of Rob Skideri <laughs> and what that means for that player. All right, so we'll, we'll we'll change the we'll change the tact of the question then, and you get there and you, you I don't think this will happen, but we'll run with the concept. He's, he's that, below replacement level still, by the way, folks. He's playing so, so, better for him. Is not the same as playing good enough for the standard that should be a Stanley Cup contender. And that's the difference between Fleury this year and last year. He had a better year last year, but that was just better for Fleury. This year, though... No, he's playing he's, good this year. He's, he's got above, about it. Yeah, he's got above leg average, and that's where you get there and you go, perfect. If he stays there, that contract that he's signed is fine. You're happy with that, and you're happy to leave it at that. But if he regresses back to his career average, that still might be good enough for them to go a long way in, in the just playoffs. just wasted money, value money. We've beat We're that not horse, though. Yeah, we won't go over that again. But you get there and go, all right, Skideri's out of the lineup. He's unfortunately broken his leg again last game of the year, and they have to replace him. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a realistic scenario here, all right? Because if he's healthy, they're playing him. I don't think there's much of a uh, much of an argument in regards to that. But you get there and you go, all right, so you've got Latang and, and Marta, assumption being that he does come back and he's healthy. Um, you've got Erhoff. And to spray, who are your bottom two pairings? Who are the bottom two that you have there? With, with Scuderi in? With Scuderi out. Who do you... Is Palmer I've, traded? I, uh, yes. That's why I didn't mention him in the top four. Okay. And Marta's healthy? Yep. He's up with Latang. Okay. So, so Latang, who do you feel? Marta, Erhoff. To spray. To spray. Um, did we trade Bortuzzo for Yager? Yeah, we did. Okay, Jesus. good. That's great news. <laughs> that is great news. <laughs> okay, Pouliot and Harrington. F it. You'd be you happy draft with that? these guys with a pedigree. Play yeah. Are they really that bad? No. I take. I, I will give Harrington credit. There were two times where Jaeger came down. Oh, he did a great job. 
Yeah, basically one-on-one with him, and he just held him up. He's only going to get better at practice every day with Yager there. If if they keep playing him, he will get better. That's probably the one fear that I have is that when Martin and Ehoff do get back healthy, which is supposed to happen in the next 10 days or so, both of them will be back in the lineup. You get there with that and you go, well, the roster all fills out. That puts Dupre back into that number five role with Sideri there at six. Can I throw um, something out there? Something, I don't think it's extreme, but um, Letang and Pouliot are are practicing together now. And like I said before, I I really do want to see how that plays out. That makes perfect sense, yeah. Dupre Erhoff, Harrington Mata were an actual defense pairing in juniors. Oh, that's right. They were too. So maybe it's not a top four bottom pairing situation. Maybe it's just three pretty badass pairings. Now you're running under the assumption that Latang and Pouliot can retrieve the puck and yes, get the puck out. Absolutely. Up. And that's the argument that I agree with in regards to you can't have everyone being a puck moving defenseman. Yeah, you can. If you've got high, yeah, if you've got highly skilled players that can get the puck out of your zone and they do that more often than not, it's less shots against. It's less rolls of the dice for the other team. You're feeding Sid and Gino with speed. Not yeah, collecting or, it off a high off the glass. Or in Pouliot's case, he's just skating it out himself and going end to end. Like or, red or, or Letang. I mean, good grief. They who, do who better than him? They do look very similar when you see them out on the ice separately. There are times where... You see the five, and you do have to do a take and just go, oh, that's a one, not a, not an eight with Latang. So you, you do get there with them. And, and I just like the fact that the kid's so young and doesn't care. He's just so confident. He's good. I'm he, glad he to is. see him up. He does, have, he does have some positional flaws, but he will only learn to be better at those if he plays. Think about him and Latang just feeding a uh, Bennett Malkin Yager line or something like that, or Sid Kunitz Hornquist with speed all the time. They're oh, not no, collecting they're... it off the glass, off the wall. It's on the tape. They have speed. Boom, boom, boom. Neutral zone, controlled zone entry, drop pass, bomb, goal. So you run the argument of you've got to have Skidari in the lineup. Because he's a penalty-killing Oh, guy. Jesus Christ. I, knew I love you where you're going with this, by the way. Yeah, so you get there with it, and a lot of people were making the same argument with Craig Adams. He's been out of the lineup for the last five games, and I think the penalty kill has gone 19 20 for 21. 19 of it's 21. 19 of 21. So you'll take those averages the rest of the year, without a doubt. Yeah, which, so that's which was about their normal one, by the way. So that's that's without an anchor on the fourth line. There is no need to have Skideri. I don't know he's been a part of that twenty, uh, the nineteen for twenty-one run. I appreciate I also that. I know he was on the ice for the two against. Yeah, I did know that actually. I should have brought that up. So there's no need to have him out there. Have your two demon with speed who can actually go and retrieve the puck off the board. It's boards. about like, getting in shooting get... lanes, sticks and passing lanes. I mean, is it that complicated? Well, People, have we not proven that this PK specialist thing is just a myth? Good, good lord, I'm done with it. 
Stop, well, stop building your team around the penalty kill. Build it around even strength and skill. The penalty kill will figure itself out. And chances are, with a, a, a well-skating team that has the puck, you're not going to take as many penalties because you're not going to be chasing it. Uh, unless unless Eugenio, who seems to be very, very good at giving away two-minute penalties, retrieving the puck in the offensive zone. Yeah, well, he's you know he does that, that's for sure. But you know what? He also scores like 100 points. You know, I'm not saying. I'm just saying it's one of the few negatives that I can find in his game. That if you could manage to clean that up, you'd be really happy. But you get there and go. He retrieves so many pucks, playing the way he does. You put up with the negatives, and that's Nobody's that's the perfect. problem. Hey, nobody's perfect. No, and and that's the problem. Hockey's, some of the, hockey's not a game where you have perfection. No, you, it's you not like chase it, but you never get it. It's like golf. It's the problem with some of these. It's the problem with some of these younger, oh, the younger, these lesser skilled players that continue to go around in the league is that their margin for error is so small because they can't provide anything going in the offensive direction. So when they do make errors in the defensive third, you sit there and you you have to. So you use Skidari and Pouliot as as the example. You go. What's the what's the what's the ability of Scuderi to actually make up for that error? And you go next to nothing. Whereas you go with Puglia, the percent that the probabilities of him being able to help make up for the goal he's just caused is so much higher. So why not have him on the ice? Hey, you're preaching. To I know. Freaking choir. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, I have to admit, it's taken me a little while to. Not come around to it, but to see it actively on the ice, see the the pros and cons, because you've always got that argument of you need to have a defensive for a defensively responsible defenseman with an attacking defenseman, and I don't I don't think you do. You just have to have physically capable back six that are positionally sound and allow your goalie to actually see the puck. And I think that's probably some of the problems I have with Skidiri at the moment and last year is that he tries to play goaltender. And he's done less of that this year than he did the year before. And there's, there is a correlation between Fleury being able to see pucks and him actually stopping them. He's not looking around as many screens. And Skidiri cannot move a screen anyway. He physically cannot get someone out of the way. He so physically you can't do it anyways. He'll take a penalty. Yeah, so you might as well have Pouliot out there not being able to move the screen because he can go and retrieve the puck after it hits him and take the puck up the other end. And yes, I know I'm preaching to the converted. I do feel bad, though. I beat up on Scuderi in, in the past or pick, and one of my men's league line mates played at Boston College with both of them. And, oh, cool. you know, I know they're both good dudes. From, That's the thing. Through, through him, and it, it makes yeah. me feel bad to be critical. But but you're not having a crack at them as people. You're having a crack at the output that they provide on the ice for the team that we follow. That's that's the thing. You, I sometimes get that guilty feeling as well, but then I realise I'm not picking on the person. I'm picking on the hockey player. And it, to me, it, there's a separation. There's there. a huge difference, but I think sometimes it gets forgotten a little bit because we're very critical. But if well, I wasn't think- being critical, I don't think I'd be doing, uh, you know, sp- telling it like it is, I think. So, 
Um, yeah, no, I, I agree, but there are times where I have to admit I do forget that these people are just assets in a hockey game. They are actually real people with lives and feelings and stuff, and not that they're going to read or listen to this, but you get there with it, and I'm sure um, the sentiment in a particular town would flow through to them eventually. Correct. That was a bit of a bummer of a conversation ender. No. I'm going to hang on. <laughs> yeah. Bo is exactly. back. Is he? Tomorrow, I believe. He's playing. Yeah. All right, so should we have an ambulance there? No. Bo's awesome. What's the over-under on how many games? I don't know. I got my Bo t-shirt on right now. So do you really think he's going to be able – hang on, what, what is it, Bo's back or is it actually a Penguins with Bennett on the back? Bo knows hockey. Okay. Playoffs on the Bo Jackson Nike ad from the early 90s when my Buffalo Bills kicked the Los Angeles Raiders' ass in the AFC <laughs> Championship game, 51-3. to so, yeah. Oh, shut up with your NFL talk. Yeah, Thank God the Bills playoffs start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, their mediocre quarterback who's the best they have retired on them who the Bills yeah what just the other day yeah he retired oh okay well, oh, forces wow. them to, forces them to go with the new guy doesn't it yeah the new guy sucks worse that's why they got the, the guy that wanted to retire right um, <laughs> classic Bills with, with Bennett coming into the lineup, getting back to a topic I care about. Oh, um, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's the NFL. I know, I know. It's, it bores me uh, too a lot. If, the, if they couldn't gamble on it, the game wouldn't exist. Um, do you think he gets slotted into the third line? Actually, I, I, think, I think Johnston did say he's going to slot to that, but I don't know. I'm, you know well, where I Downey, stand on that. If, I, I want him playing with the big dogs. But if Downey's back, then you get there and you've suddenly got that Bennett, Sutter, and Downey line that was playing very well before everyone started to go down with mumps and injuries. So They were playing I, well, but it, what cost to the top six? You're, you're spending big money on... Um, Sid Gino, and I think you really do have to maximize it. And if Sutter really is worth 3.3 mil for that third-line center role, then Downey and Comer should be enough for him Yeah, to not drown. I don't need, like, super offense from them. Don't freaking drown. That's it. I I would, and I know this is a bit odd, but I would put – with the roster the way it currently is, I would put Kunitz and Hornquist with Gino and set him up like the 93 Penguins team did with Tockett and Stevens and Lemieux. That's what I would do. And then I would base Crosby around having Bennett and someone else in the hole. I know that drags things around a little well, bit. they're going to make a trade for a top six winger, so we'll just assume that Bennett, Crosby, and it doesn't have to be him, It but that – trade slots there for your yeah. argument and yes yeah. i agree bennett man he's he's good and yes of course sutter plays better with bennett bennett's good 
the issue that everyone's got with Bennett is he needs to stay on the ice. I know. And the rest. He's. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But would you? I I really do think if you put Kunitz and Hornquist on the same line as Gino, you're going to maximise what you get out of Gino because the amount of extra space that those two players create for Malkin just means he can just do what he wants. And I, I think I, that would... I'm not against that because I think it's one of those semantical arguments where no matter how you kind of slot it with Sid and Gino, things are going to go really well. I would put Kunitz with Gino. I would take him from Sid. Because I think there just needs to be a little bit of a change there. I think I would leave Hornquist with Sid because Sid needs a shooter. That's who they trade? He needs a shooter, somebody. That's who they trade for. So I think Hornquist and Sid's a good fit. I think Kunitz and Malkin, when Sid was out with his concussion and with James Neal there, showed they were tremendous. Yep. And Bo Bennett needs to either play the right wing with uh, Kunitz, Malkin, or he needs to play the left wing with Hornquist, Sid. And Brandon Sutter, you know what? Don't drown. Don't be a 44% possession guy. You know? I mean, if this is the case where we got a top six talent on the cheap and you got to slot him down on the third line because your third line center you know, has to wear floaties going in the ocean. What the hell are we doing? I think if you go Como and, and, and Downey, I don't think he sinks. Okay, good. Then let's roll with it. And, and, and I say that knowing full well the risks of playing Downey that many minutes. Yeah, I know. But he, he is Kill a good player, it. but he's a he's a yard yeah. sale. Yeah. But that's not to say um, that... The Penguins can't trade for, instead of two top six wingers, trade for a bottom six winger. What, you're going to ship Spalling out for bottom six? Well, ideally, I don't think, think <laughs> highly of, of his 2.2 million cap hit. He would slot in on the fourth line for me, tops. Yeah, on a Stanley Cup contending team. Uh, yeah, I would like to to move him out, but if if you know if he's gonna be there, he's gotta be fourth line, left wing with Gotch, and uh, maybe Rust. Yeah, I think I, I think Rust is great for the fourth line. That's exactly what they need on the fourth but line. They have Clinkhammer too. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. This team as constructed. Craig Adams right... better damn well not be on this freaking playoff roster. <laughs> He'll be on the roster. He, well, this, yeah, this... you know what I mean. Playing. Yeah. Now well... that his consecutive games nonsense is over, maybe they can actually make, you know, clear-headed judgment. Well, technically what you and I both want to see is Skidiri and um, Adams play themselves off the team because well, Adams the guys has. that should be playing in their spots Adams we'll is wait until at the end of the back. year. He's not being re-signed. Come on. Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking at this year. This is the yeah, thing. Know, like, you I look know. at this year. And, you know, the guys around Skidari are playing themselves onto the roster. But once 
the back six start to get back on the ice, has, have they done enough to push Skidiri out of the roster? And I would say right, let me the way they're I know, we, yeah. I know we talked for the sake of discussion and the funness of our conversation. Yeah. Walmart in L.A. Um, what if that doesn't happen? And no, you I... have Latang, Martin, Erhoff, Mata, Dupre, Pouliot, Harrington, Bortuzzo, Scuderi. How could you justify playing Scuderi? Easy. You hear it whenever you oh, watch the people. Oh, God, I hate you it. You the crap they go on with. You understand that? No, I don't. No, well, you, I, no, no. You, you understand it. You just don't agree with it. Like me, we both don't agree with the garbage that, that people go on with in regards to what he brings to the team. Every person that plays with him gets dragged down. You can see it statistically. You can actually see it out there on the ice. I give the coaching staff credit, though. They have got there and got it into, into Scuderi that he has to get that grenade off his stick really quickly. It's just that when he does it, he usually dumps the, his partner in. sheltering him this year, which is different. Yeah, and, and, and that's not too bad. But I feel for the spray because it's taken him 10 or 15 games to get used to the fact that the puck's going to end up in his skates and he's going to have to look down, collect it, and then get up and skate. He's looked so much better with these with Martin and Erhoff out because he's getting to actually play with, with some talent. He's played a little bit with with Latang, but when he's got a chance to play with Harrington, who actually can skate a lot better than I expected, he can actually move. And he does, he has a great first pass, Harrington. So you get there and go, why wouldn't you replace Kadiri with Harrington? As you just gave the, the depth chart, there's no reason for Kadiri to be there. That contract is brutal. And that's the thing. I know the contract is bad, but you might as well pay him to sit and have your team be better than pay him to play and your team be worse. I'd buy him out this year. You reckon they will? No. I said I would. Oh, yeah. You've said that last year. No, no. I wouldn't have done it last year because it was just too much for too long. But for the, the last two years, I, uh, Considering these young replacements are on entry-level deals. It's bearable. It's bearable, and it's just he's not there to, you know, he. it's tough. You can't bury contracts in the AHL anymore. So he's, he's there. He's kind of blocking. It's just not a good situation. And I know that... You know, I spoke to his, his his character, which which is good on all accounts from what I I'm told on a personal level. But you know, I'm not paying three point three million dollars on the salary cap for a, a coach on skates. You know, no, if he wants to I coach, can't... you know, retire and coach. <laughs> Players got to play, and I get the leadership qualities. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but you never pay a premium for it. Because hockey players in general, if you listen to everybody, they're all good people, right? <laughs> so what, why do you got to pay a premium for another good person? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a valid point. So, you know, Brooks Orpik was supposed to be that guy, and from all accounts, he held Dupre back. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That, that back, that... How they fill that back six 
They got a lot of young, great talent. Just play them. Well, really determine how much they get out of their top six. Because if they, if, if the Penguins, as you said, can get the puck to their top six with speed on their stick, then that top six actually end up producing at a better clip. So, yeah, that's the way I would look at it. If, if you can utilize the skill and the talent in your in your back six, then your top six should actually produce more. So then you don't have to be so concerned with your, your bottom six forwards and whether or not um, they drown or not. No, we'll see. Mata's not back yet. Airhoff should be back tomorrow, from what I hear. Which will be so nice. the roster fills out a little bit more, which is nice, and then you you get there with it. Just I really hope Airhoff signs, even if he does sign something that might be a little bit long term wise. He's only thirty-one, thirty-two-ish, so whatever. Yeah, but if he signs one for six years, he ends up being 37, 38, right, when that ends. I'm happy for him to have a long-term contract as long as there's no um, no, in, there's no, no trade clause in there. Wow. If he wants to. He's 32. He to, He's going to get five years. It's 37. Paul Martin's 35. Are you going to extend him? Well, he's going to want a five-year, isn't he? So he's going to want to be contracted so, to four. you know... I, so I wonder. I wonder whether we have to start looking oh, at I'm, I'm sorry to Paul Martin. He's 33. <laughs> but, oh, but he's turning 34 on March 5th. So 38, 39. But do we have to start looking at hockey players as having longer careers at a high level of a high level of play? Well, I think both of those guys play a style that's conducive to lasting a little bit longer. Physical, yeah. So I suppose we should be selective, but... They both play a great style. And I'll take the younger guy on semantics. And he's got a rocket. They play a similar style, and Erhoff has a complete bomb. He... He looked like he was struggling early in the year, but just before he got hurt... That quote was was hilarious that he made before he got hurt. Do you know the one I'm referencing? (laughs) No, I can't remember. He forgot how it was like to play with good players. Yeah. (laughs) So once he got cozy, you could see... They are very Paul Martin-like players. A little chip around to this player to get it out of the zone. uh, Positioning himself in a way that shots have to go wide on bad angles so that the puck goes out the other other end of the zone around the boards. You, you get there with it and you just go, it's little things like that that don't really show up on the stat sheet, whether it's advanced stats or old traditional stats and stuff. And you get there and go, that's where the eye test is really handy, to be able to look at those little things and, and see what's going on. Uh, and, and that's where Paul Martin, I think, sometimes with his advanced stats doesn't get enough value. Yes, his advanced stats are good, but it's the little things that you see with the eye test that I think give Paul Martin a little bit more value. It's the exact reverse when you look at Nick Spalling. You've got to look at how he's getting his points, why he's getting his points, and who he's playing with in regards to why his numbers are better this year than they have been. And you go, well, he's playing up on the top line. He's getting secondary assists on good plays by other players. And then we have the audacity to ask why Sid and Gino are going and goalless droughts. Yeah. So you, you, you've got to combine 
you know, both sources of data, both the paper data and then also the visual data that you can see. And Martin Erhoff um, definitely contributed in the advance. Good and both. Yeah, but you watch what they do on the ice and you can see the extra value that they provide. You, you watch spoiling on the ice and you see, I don't know, it's the reverse of extra values. They come up with a term for me and that's what he provides. Nothing. <laughs> That's Sorry. Cruel. Very cruel. <laughs> You're negative all the time. You know that? Me? <laughs> Am I not bad? No. I'm just just kidding. That's all right, then. I think that about uh, does it, though, you know? Yeah, I think we've exhausted all our penguins stuff. Well, <sighs> Happy New Year 2014 is out the window. 2015 on its way. Yager watch 2015. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag that. Um, well, you know, happy new year from both me and Cameron. Uh, 2015. Hopefully, our 2015 is better than 2014. We're always looking to to get better. And uh, yeah, just just happy new year, and we're we're just happy to be here. Uh, with this podcast, with the website, doing this for everybody. So we hope you enjoy it. Um, if you do enjoy it and you do iTunes, give us a rating, review us, help us out, drive more traffic to us. So give us, give us some feedback. If there's anything that we're missing. So with that said, for the final time of 2014, I'm Ryan Wilson. Cameron Walsh. Happy new year.